0: Welcome to Courage and Spice, the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick and this is episode number 52, Owning Your Preferences. Hello lovely people. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that last week Mr P. Bodie, our pooch, and I went camping, or glamping, because we did not stay in a tent and we had hot water and bed linen. We actually slept in a shepherd's hut and we had this other cabin with a sofa and a fridge and a bathroom and a coffee plunger. So I know this is not actual purist camping, but I love not camping. I love the great indoors. I love Wi-Fi and I love that as a species, we have evolved so we don't have to live outside. (laughs) It's Pretty fascinating to me how there is a kind of moral argument about how everyone should be camping. But I just want to offer my fellow fans of electricity some solidarity out there. The fetish for tents is not compulsory. Bear grills has not reached the summit of humanity. And it's really okay to own your own preferences. I think this is one of the really key benefits of learning how to navigate through self-doubt is we learn how to discern between self-doubt and our true nature. So before I really trusted that it was okay for me to have different opinions and preferences and ideas, It was a feature of all of my past relationships and friendships to keep the peace at all costs, to just go along with what everyone else wanted. And I had this very troubling realization about 10 years ago. I was watching a terrible 90s rom-com starring Julia Roberts and Richard Gere called The Runaway Bride. And I won't ruin the quite complex and nuanced plot, but in The Runaway Bride, Julia Roberts realises that she has always morphed into a version of her previous partners. She took up their interests and hobbies and kind of became a version of them. She never really quite knew how she liked her own eggs. So there's this huge and uncomfortable realisation for me going on as I'm watching this movie. Because during my 20s and most of my 30s, I held my preferences and opinions back from all the people closest to me. I kept myself safe from the risk of conflict and rejection. And like Julia Roberts' character, I kind of morphed into the people that I was hanging out with. I didn't really know what I wanted or what I preferred. I wasn't often able to discern my own opinions and ideas. I couldn't even decide what country to live in. I moved from New Zealand to England and back again twice. (laughs) And at the time, I just felt really torn. My family were grieving the sudden death of my mum, and they had the support of these long-standing friendships and familiarity of being home, and I kind of longed for that. And yet I loved my life in London, the energy and the possibility that it represented for me. I kind of enjoyed being an outsider, the freedom of travelling, and if I missed home, there was always kinship and comfort to be found at the Shepherd's Bush walkabout. But where was home? And what was the choice I could make that would cause the least amount of heartache? I remember reading over my journals at the time and finding that actually I had many ideas and preferences and opinions, but I was writing them down in the only place that felt really safe to me. I have so much compassion for who I was at the time, because my self-doubt was doing a brilliant job of protecting me from the risk of conflict and rejection. If I never sat still long enough to figure out what I wanted... If I never disagreed with anyone, I wouldn't make any waves, I would never create conflict, I would limit the chances of ever being rejected. So I was pretty good at keeping other people happy. I said yes to everything that was asked of me, every adventure, every drink, every means of escape. Now there were moments when I glimpsed at myself putting on this performance for the people in my life. I was working really hard not to disappoint anyone because I was trying to manage their experience of me. And I used food and wine and being constantly occupied to comfort myself, to numb out from a life that didn't really feel like it fit me. I often felt like I was living someone else's life and I would take these moments where I could glimpse myself and think, who is this? Who is she? I didn't really know what boundaries were, let alone how to create them. So I was very enmeshed in my friendships and relationships. Every connection felt like it was carrying quite high stakes. Now I look back now and I can see that lots of the relationships I had made at that time uh, had no capacity for conflict. I was intuitively seeking out friendships and relationships with people who were also avoiding any kind of discomfort in the area of conflict and rejection. So I became pretty expert at avoiding this. Now, I guess anyone who might be listening and who knows me now would probably find this version of me utterly incongruent. Because it turns out my true nature is to have a lot of ideas and preferences and opinions to be quite happy to share and debate and to hear other people's too. One of my favourite things in the world is to connect with people who expand my understanding of ideas and issues. And this can only happen because we've all learnt how to be courageous enough to have these opinions, to risk conflict. And before I really understood how self-doubt works in every relationship in my life, I was showing up as a compromised parody of me. I spent a lot of time pretending and lying about who I really was. So even the people who said they loved me only loved the me I let them see. I was pretty convinced that if they knew the real me, I would be abandoned. And I did what I see so many of my clients do when we're protecting ourselves from a big risk. I just internalized it. By never expressing the full range of my emotions and beliefs and thoughts, by keeping everything safe in my journal, using food and wine and being constantly in motion rather than addressing any conflict, I was just creating a whole lot of internal conflict. And by going along with everyone else, never saying no, becoming the person I thought you needed me to be, I just kept rejecting myself time and again. So this is the thing to remember, even if you think you're avoiding a risk pretty successfully, it's likely that all you're doing is diverting that risk back to yourself. And this means we can end up feeling like we're a bit screwed both ways. We either express our preferences and risk conflict, or we go along with everyone else and divert that conflict back to ourselves. No wonder I used to drink. (laughs) Now, because I'm quite a slow learner, I waited until my drinking became deeply problematic. I waited until I was so burnt out I felt like I was made of glass. I got stuck in this loop. I couldn't imagine any other way of being. And I waited until the risk of staying where I was seemed to have far worse consequences than the risk I was protecting myself from. And there is, of course, another way. After seven years of researching self-doubt, after working with hundreds and hundreds of people around this amazing phenomena, I can tell you that the ingredients for your healing are found inside the very nature of your self-doubt. We have to go in. So if my experience resonates with you, I just wanted to give you a sense of the pathway to healing, the self-doubt that keeps us stuck in these belief behavior loops. And the first step is to just understand where you learned to protect yourself from a particular risk. In exploring and healing my own protection mechanisms around the risk of conflict and rejection, I discovered so much about where the seeds of my self-doubt were planted, and it makes so much sense. So if uh, these are risks that you share, see if this resonates. If you have a loud inner critic, it's likely that you had a critical parent or another influential adult who was critical. If you fear judgment, it's likely that you've learnt any approval comes with conditions. If you find the emotions of conflict overwhelming, it's probable that you were told to control or minimise your own feelings, or you witnessed the consequences of other people's unmanaged emotions. If you fear criticism, it's likely that you were never shown how to value yourself and to separate other people's opinions from your intrinsic worthiness. If you have no boundaries, it's likely that you learned expressing your needs creates tension for other people. So I'm putting my hand up to all of these experiences. I learned very early in my life that conflict carried the risk of rejection and it hurt like hell. So the second step is to bring your current wisdom to past events. We often believe that past events are fixed. They happened, we live with the consequences, we crack on as best we can. But in exploring the meaning we made at key moments, we can heal the impact of those experiences. So one of the things that was brought to light for me was that When I was 14, I was bullied relentlessly for almost a year. And I'd almost forgotten that this happened. It was 1987. Dirty Dancing had just been released. I watched it on the plane uh, coming from New Zealand to England. Tapao's China in Your Hand was number one in the UK for seven weeks straight. And I spent about three months travelling around England with my gran When I went back to New Zealand in my country high school, with my hair done exactly like Carol from Tapao, I was immediately ostracised. I had been away too long, changed too much, grown in ways I couldn't put into words. My classmates knew I was different and they hated me for it. And for anyone who has been bullied, you'll know just how traumatising it can be. When I finally transferred to another school, I was so determined to avoid repeating anything like that. I spent decades twisting myself into a version of me that was likeable. Now, making the link between this experience and the patterns I was still living out was incredibly healing. I could see how much I was still protecting my 14-year-old self. And that no adult stepped in to teach any of us what to do, even when they witnessed appalling behaviour. No wonder I have an interesting view of authority. But I was able to expand my perception of the event, um, of what happened that year, and to offer myself some new perceptions, to acknowledge that it just happened and that it created some suffering and it wasn't okay. And step three is to begin to make peace with your self-doubt. So much of the conventional wisdom about self-doubt suggests that it's this inner critic, this part of us that we need to infantilize or go to war with. But I found that self-doubt is A, so much broader than just an inner critic. And secondly, the opposite is actually true. When we open up to this protective part of our psyche, we begin to see that this is the part of us that has been trying to keep us from ever reliving past hurts. And this again offers us healing and perspective. So taking a little trip back into the past to understand exactly what has created our self-doubt, the beliefs that underpin it, the, the ways that we are protecting ourselves that are often slightly below the level of consciousness can be incredibly helpful for beginning to experiment with your self-belief. And that's the fourth step of cultivating self-belief. We get to discover who you are underneath your self-doubt. And it's so healing. Now, I found that the more I got to know myself, the more I liked the real me. It turned out my true nature needed space and quiet, sobriety, and a truckload of autonomy. I discovered I was quite creative and funny without three vodka and lemons in me. Now, this was not a quick or an easy process, but I found that once you get a taste for it, there's no going back. I'm still in touch with people that I've worked with three, four, five years ago, and I can see just how their cultivation of their self-belief allows them to access more and more of their lives. It took me really a period of about 18 months after my stress burnout to get sober, to get therapy. And eventually I retrained as a coach and began this embryonic coaching practice. But honestly, it took me years to really get it. That whatever anyone else thinks about me, it's not up to me. It's just none of my business. And so I found a way to be me all the time. But this has been difficult. The more I showed up as completely myself, the more I found that some long-term friendships were not able to be sustained. And that was painful. The risk came true. My greatest fears happened. And at times this was confusing and deeply hurtful and difficult. The risk I'd been avoiding since I was 14 turned out to have, in some cases, validity. And I showed you who I really was and you didn't like me. So I had to grieve those friendships. But eventually I came to find a deeper and truer relationship with myself that just because you don't like me, that's not a reason for me not to like me. How people see me, think about me, their opinions of me, are just not my business. And if I changed myself to be who you say you want me to be, you wouldn't like me then either, because you'd be liking a twisted up parody version of me. So now when people decide to walk away... I love myself enough to let them. And this is how I've learned that I could say no and yes in ways that felt emotionally clean, lovingly boundaryed. It's how I've developed a successful business, how I keep showing up to a marriage with someone who is incredibly different to me, how I nurture friendships with women I would happily hide a body for, but not in a weird people-pleasing way. <laughs> And it's how I continue to be with my self-doubt, how I keep growing and expanding. It's how I never have to go proper camping. (laughs) And these steps that I've mentioned, this process of understanding the root causes of your self-doubt, of offering yourself some perspective and meaning, making peace with a protective part of your psyche and beginning to cultivate a robust and long-standing, tangible self-belief. These are, this is the process that we go through in your self-belief map. I can show you how to heal your self-doubt. This very personal and unique experience that is responsible for holding you back now. And you'll learn ways to support yourself, techniques that you can use forever. You'll uncover internal resources that will help you to discover your true nature one where you're living from self-belief. So if this sounds like just what you need, pop over to sasspetherrack.com backslash map. The autumn class begins on the 1st of October. There are payment plans available. I would love to support you. Okay, lovely people, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time.